Hello, students, and welcome to Class of X, the free internet course on how to read and enjoy the X-Men comics better. I'm your teacher and host, John Reisinger. Today, I'm joined by licensed counselor, crisis manager, and host of Horror Virgin and Romancing the Pod, Mikey Randolph. And today, we're talking about Chris Claremont and Louise Simonson's 1988 crossover event, Inferno. Hello, Mikey. I'm so excited to be here. I am such a nerd that I was like, you have a podcast just about X-Men? I am ready for this. <laughs> yes, I, I, I told, I've said it on the previous episode that I was on. I was lucky enough to get to do an episode of Horror Virgin um, with you and your co-hosts. We talked about uh, Interview with the Vampire. It was a gay old time. <laughs> um, and I was happy to hear that you, Mikey, are a little bit of an X-Men nerd. Um, yeah. And we're here to talk about um, just a small story, a small story <laughs> that was, it's just, it's only about four years in the making in comics in the eighties. That's wow. about how much this was payoff for. Yeah. Like they started laying down the, the, the bedrock of Inferno in about 1985, maybe even 84. Um, so that's why like when you're reading Inferno, which to be specific, we're going to talk about just the uncanny X-Men and X-Factor issues of Inferno. There are exterminator and new mutants tie-ins but we didn't have to worry about them and i didn't want to make you read like 20 there's actually even more tie-ins because so, they tied into yeah Amazing i read Spider-Man. the wikipedia after yeah. i read x factor and uncanny because i was like i feel like i missed some things and then i was like this doesn't there's a help. lot yeah <laughs> there's a lot you know it doesn't it doesn't help to find out what's going on with magic and the new mutants in limbo right. it doesn't Our help to try to figure out who yeah why why is daredevil fighting a vacuum why is he fighting a vacuum? He just right. is. Um, yeah, it it this was the peak of Marvel crossover events. Is what Inferno was because it 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 went over like all the X Men titles at the time, and then also bled into all the other ones. And it was huge. It was big. Um, and I've been wanting to do an episode on this for a long time because it's a very it is one of the most important stories from the x-men because it deals with the aftermath of phoenix it it deals with the aftermath of archangels Mm -hmm. uh uh origins it deals with uh, madeline Pryor, which had been a thing going on for years and years and years it introduces mr sinister for really the first time oh is this his first time this is he had a, made appearances, but this is him and his like like this is when he first met the X Men actually. Oh, it's like his full villainily. Yes, glory. this is him. This is the birth of Nathan, who's Cable, right? Um, later on, and so it's a lot. But before we get into all that and start talking about the cast and the setting or something like that, I want to hear from you, Mikey. You said that you're a bit of a little of a comic nerd. Tell me about your background with comics in general and like where did you learn about the X-Men for the first time and what's that been like? I think a lot of my generation probably learned about X-Men the same because I'm like almost 40. So I watched that damn 90s TV show every Saturday. And like that was my big introduction to X-Men. And honestly, I almost got thrown off the podcast this last couple of months because I did a rewatch of the cartoon on Disney Plus because they were like, oh, we're making new a new season. And I was like, well, yeah. I've got to catch up again, yeah. like watch it all. And then I would like reference stuff on the podcast and they're like, no one gets that. But <laughs> dozens of people get these references. Well, I so many people will get it because I, I, I always ask this to all my 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 guests and a lot of them have said it's that. Depends on where what age mm-hmm. range you are and I'm your age as well. And I, I while the comics were my introduction because I'm one of those crazy Uber nerds, the the cartoon cemented it the cartoon was like was 
oh i i have to be obsessed with this now because this cartoon is amazing the it, i've the wildest comics re- because of the cartoon yeah and my family bought me comics and nothing was in order or anything but i had like nope. spider-man x-men and nope. like i read stuff and like so i i feel like i knew who most of the people were but i was like it, it's just why it was a it was a wild experience to rewatch and i've i've read some like stories before but i guess not like i when the ultimates came out i got back into comets so the, the ultimate universe came out and all the Mar- like mcu and all that stuff. like i got back into it pretty hard and then i kind of backed off again but like i haven't deep dived into 80s big stories yeah it few, few have few have at this point there's <laughs> it's it's a select few of us who you know read you know back to chris claremont's era mm-hmm. and 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 that kind of stuff, as well as like Louis Simonson, who I don't want to understudy in this. That Louis Simonson was the uh, was the author for X Factor, but also for Exterminators and New Mutants. And Louis Simonson, along with her husband, uh, they uh, he was the artist for uh, X Factor. Um, Louis Simonson wrote tons of X Men, and so while we attribute this era to like Chris Claremont as being like the father of the X Men. Um, can't can't understate Louis Simon's contribution contribution to it. Um, what like did did you ever? You said you read Ultimates and that kind of thing. What's like? Did you did you read X Men comics at any point in your upbringing? Yeah, just did you back in the nineties? I like had them out of order, but like never. Yeah. Nothing made sense like this. You're like, oh, it would be like one of these issues, and then like yeah. two years later, I'd be like, oh, or I just have different issues lined, and I'm like, you okay. saw a pretty cover, these and are we're like, cool, look at these cool drawings. <laughs> Wolverine's on this cover. I'll get yeah. this one. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like family would just rent, buy them randomly, or go to like yeah. a ga- like a like a garage sale and bring me like yeah. just completely out of order comics. So never coherent storylines. Never. No. It, it, the the saving grace for our generation was for for comic book readers like me was when they started to do trade paperbacks mm-hmm. which were the collections of them in like a big old bound uh thing you'd go to like barnes and nobles and get those and then now in the modern era it's like we can pull up marvel unlimited mm-hmm. and it's all there and it's all there just in this bookshelf here i've got omnibuses of different stories like nice uh, like nightfall i have all the yeah. walking dead invincible I got really into Judge Dredd, so I'm like, I've got like the first fifteen of the the Judge the Judge Dredd trades, and nice. like I like going back and reading everything in order. It's so much better. Yeah, uh, but I haven't do- dove into like Marvel or DC much with like reading everything. That just seems so overwhelming. It's a lot, and it's part of the reason why I made this podcast was I was trying <laughs> to help people give entry points, uh, and uh, like uh, a, a good entry point would be something like what you say, like mm-hmm. the Ultimates. I um, they just reintroduced the Ultimate Universe into Marvel Comics because it had been uh, obliterated yeah. during a the Secret Wars event. Um, and I bought the first issue for the new Ultimate Invasion that's happening. And bef- and I was about to read, and I was like, maybe I'll, I'll reread a little bit. Um, long story short, I'm just I'm about halfway through reading the entire Ultimate Universe <laughs> again. Um, <laughs> Ultimate X Men, Ultimate Fantastic Four, the Ultimates, all everything. And I'm, it is. It's amazing how much that era is highly problematic in its like uh, dealings with uh, some like uh, terminology um, yeah. and minority groups and uh, also just the way it generally treats like uh, misogynistic patriarchal mm-hmm. behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, while it's all there, it's also like there's so much fun stuff they do with it. It makes it even sadder that it's not you can't just praise the whole thing as a whole because they use the R word too many times. Right. Um, or because Wolverine's dating a 17-year-old Jean Grey at the beginning of <laughs> Ultimate X-Men. 
And I'm like, no, don't do that. Now, the X-Men in general have that problem, too. But, uh, like, back in the 80s, because, like, even a Colossus who was, like, 19 or 20 is when he started dating, like, a 16, 17-year-old Kitty Pride. Okay. But the sliding time scale makes it less of an issue later on because there's there's a little bit of that. You have to just be like, yeah, it's written by old guys. Yeah, it's written by like, old guys. She's been 16 for 20 years, man. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, but old, and like I, you, you know, you you think like, oh, the Ultimates, that was pretty new, like that, you know, but, but it was like when I was in college, or like early two thousand, <laughs> and you're like, oh wait, it's probably I know. very much of its time of like something they don't do. <laughs> yeah, they 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 actually did this back in the day in the in the eighties, um, where they for a while actually made real world references to real time mm-hmm. events and, and people. But then they realized that that, that dated the stuff and made it hard to, to deal with the sliding time scale. You know, like you said, mm-hmm. like, uh, kind of like how Bart Simpson's been his age for 60 years. Um, Kitty pride has aged five years in the past, you know, 40 years. <laughs> um, and so they stopped doing that for a while, but the ultimate comics, they, you read those and you are taken back to when Bush was president uh-huh. to then when Obama becomes president. Like they make references to like Dick Cheney and it's and, interesting. I want to I think I need to reread it because I bet it really is like a time capsule for like it early is 2000s. And it's also super weird to read because um, it's prior to the MCU because it was the foundation mm-hmm. of a little bit of the MCU um, like Nick Fury being, you know, a Samuel Jackson lookalike was the ultimates. Like, cause prior to that, Nick Fury in 616 is a, David a gray haired. Yeah. He's David Hasselhoff. He's a white dude with a, with a gray streak on the side of his head. Um, and so, but they, they even make references to some actors in the comic. Um, one of which they do make a reference to Robert Downey Jr. At one point. Um, but they don't, they don't cast themselves correctly other than Samuel Jackson. Because at one point they're having a conversation like, who's going who's gonna to play us in the upcoming movie? And everyone else like says these random actors like, nope, that wouldn't have worked. But Samuel Jackson's the well, one. Nick and they, they looks exactly like they Samuel did, Jackson. They, they did it on purpose. <laughs> they did it so much on purpose. Um, but anyways, we're not talking about okay, the yeah, Ultimates. Okay, yeah, we can do that. I'll come back for that. Yeah, yeah. I, I desperately want to, to go over the Ultimates um, because while Ultimate X-Men has a lot of issues it's still it's so cool that they took a chance at like rebooting you know the franchise in a new world and basing it in like almost like how nolan took a stab Mm -hmm. at batman where he's like what if we grounded this in reality as much as we could in modern reality you know and they did that with ultimate x-men but we're in 1988 with inferno oh yeah um why did this comic get made good question mikey um so Basically, what had been happening for years, and this is foundation for you, Mikey, as you were reading this. Okay. You might Lay you it out. you wa- you watched the comic the the cartoon, so you know of the Phoenix. You watched mm-hmm. the Phoenix Saga. You might have seen their Apocalypse, two Dark Angel, yeah, the Sinister. I, I had like an understanding of everyone's basic yeah. motivation. Now, I will say, Beast was very different reading, yes, than the show. Yes. Okay, we're we're gonna be. Uh, this, this is a warning to you, the listener. We're going to be jumping around probably a lot yeah, because there's so a sorry. lot to talk about. No, it's fine. This is normally like we spend a little time at the beginning talking about the the precursor of the co- comics. And then we we talk about, you know, some some context for it. And then we go into issue by issue. I don't know if we'll be able to do that with this one because it covers too much. And your questions are completely valid. What the heck was going on with the, with Beast at that point? Basically, prior to that, 
prior to you reading this comic and you saw that they were referencing like he's he, he uh, they, it opens with him dealing with like transforming back and forth between he's, human they, and beast. They were straining him on the ship. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what had happened is that a little bit prior, Beast had been uh, transformed by some weird science thing where he was, you know, the blue bouncing furry beast. He got transformed back into uh, white boy uh, pale skin beast. But what was happening was the more he used his powers, the stronger he got and the dumber he got. And oh. so it's kind of a Benjamin Button kind of thing. Okay. And it culminates in him... Um, them fighting apocalypse like the like when you're reading this and you see archangel he just became archangel like oh, okay a yeah. couple issues ago he still holds um up. um it's fantastic and so they had just fought apocalypse not too long ago prior to inferno um which is the introduction of archangel and in that fight that's when beast you know heroically uses all of his like might to defeat uh, to help defeat apocalypse by doing so you know uh, makes himself like fully dumb long story short they they stabilized him and re- and were restraining him because he was like fluctuating between his blue self and his normal self and in in inferno when he hears you know uh you know that they need his help he finally turns into his blue self he's got his intelligence back he's got his wit and charm back and that's why you, we we meet Trish Tilby in that x-factor comic and who had met him when he was white the boy reporter beast. he's like dating right yes because she's and like she... i don't know if i like smart you <laughs> it was kind of weird because <laughs> i think she was trying to comment that she like he must have been a he was like he was simple he wasn't trying to look for danger he wasn't uh uh you know d- making jokes as demons fight him and that like turned her off that kind of thing um, but yeah, be everyone's different than what you might remember. And so that's, what's going on with beast. Um, he, here's a little bit of context of what was going with X factor when you jump into X factor. Cause you saw that X factor was basically the, the five original X-Men, yes. Jean Grey, Cyclops, Storm, uh, uh, Angel, Beast, and Iceman. Jean Grey in the Phoenix saga was supposed to, that was supposed to be Jean Grey and she was supposed to die at the end of the Phoenix saga. She gets... She gets uh, possessed by this cosmic entity, Mm -hmm. the Phoenix, which we've seen in a couple of movies that have done a terrible job of it. Um, The cartoon does it best, honestly. If Mm -hmm. you watch the cartoon, it's it's not too far from the comics, and it does it pretty good. It was an epic, like, two-parter in the cartoon. No, it's like six. Oh, it was a six. They they stretched it. It It's like a movie. Yeah, it's good. Um, The the plan was Chris Claremont wrote this, and basically he kept making Jean Grey more and more powerful, and she got too powerful – so they had to figure out a way to like um, basically get rid of her because she's becoming too cosmically powerful. And so that results in the Dark Phoenix Saga where the Hellfire Club tries to manipulate her for their benefit. But instead, she's like, no, I can't be controlled. Goes Dark Phoenix. And then in, you know, kind of like in the movie X-Men Last Stand, in a moment of her being aware of her actual Jean Grey consciousness, she destroys herself and like throws herself into the sun. Jean mm-hmm. Grey dies. That's how it's supposed to happen. Also, what was supposed to happen was that right after that, Cyclops leaves the X-Men and Chris Claremont wanted him to leave, leave and to go like have a normal life, raise a family, be that kind of thing. And he wanted to like introduce new characters and focus on them. Like Claremont wanted to like move on to new characters. A new generation. Yeah. Editorially, he was told he needed to change that. So there's a lot of editorial influence in Inferno that wasn't the original plan. 
Um, Madeline Pryor, as we find out in Inferno, was not supposed to be a clone of Jean Grey. She, she was supposed to be Scott Summers' human love interest that he fell in love with, got married, and had babies with, and lived in Alaska with. That was the original like mental plan that Claremont had. Editorially, they f- finally said, we need Jean to come back because she's too important and too loved by the fans. So we need to figure out a way for her to come back and we need you to figure out how to get Cyclops to leave his wife, you know, and baby. (laughs) But then we need at the end for Cyclops and Jean to be heroes that are liked. So we need you to figure out a way to make them seem like the good guys at the end of this. So that's why Madeline Pryor goes bat crazy (laughs) out of nowhere because sometimes your boss tells you you need to do this and it's a business and you kind of have to figure it out. So Chris Claremont tried to figure it out. And so that's what this is. This was, we need the original X-Men to be back together and we need Jean, everything like that. And we, we have big plans for her. And so we need you to get rid of Maddie and we need you to let them be, um, you know, together. So that How was the, was Scott with Madeline pri- prior to the Inferno? Cause it seemed like a long time. A bit, a, a bit. They, I, I think she got, like 1983 or 1984 something like that and this is 1988 1989 so okay. she'd been in the comics for a while she got introduced to him and then um what happened was Jean. they that's when they were like Jean gray has to be resurrected even though chris claremont said no one gets to resurrect Jean gray she stays dead um so they resurrected Jean gray and as soon as she gets resurrected and this is why i when i emailed you about this, <laughs> this i'm like i was like this is crazy do you want to read a story about how bad of a husband scott summers is um <laughs> this is what it is he leaves maddie who had just had their baby mm-hmm. um because he has to go see what's going on with gene maddie basically says if you leave us scott summers i'm gone that you i will not be here when you come back and he goes I'm going to go check on Gene. <laughs> and so he leaves and Maddie like disappears. I can give you information of how she disappears and like that. But that's basically what happened was he abandons her. Maddie disappears with the baby. So then he basically joins up with X factor and they create X factor with him, Gene and the original three X-Men, the original five X-Men. And then Maddie, Maddie is off with the baby and they allude to this in Inferno. Mr. Sinister, who his end goal is like, he just wants this baby of the genes of Jean Grey and Scott Summers. And so he realizes that Maddie is an issue that she's alive and it's an issue that Jean Grey resurrects. So he needs to get the baby. He needs to get rid of Maddie. And so he sends the Marauders, his little bad guys Mm -hmm. who they fight at the end of Inferno um, to go kill Maddie and steal the baby. They manage to steal the baby, but, but don't manage to kill Maddie. Maddie then joins up with the X-Men that you see of like Wolverine and Storm and Colossus and all them. And we covered this in a previous episode, but during this this event called Fall of the Mutants, the X-Men have this big fight in Dallas, Texas, where they live, uh, live streams to the world via the news. Um, the world sees them seemingly um, sacrifice themselves, kill themselves to defeat the, ba- the big baddie and die. <sighs> Okay, that because like the Marauders were like, we thought you were all dead, and I was like, everyone, okay, until what is it like, uh, Uncanny X Men two forty two, which is like, um, nineteen eighty nine. This is the first time 
that the X-Men, like the X-Factor X-Men, everyone in the world, even Sinister, had seen that those X-Men actually survived. And what happened in Fall of the Mutants was that instead of them being killed, which they were killed, they were then resurrected by this big cosmic entity who then they decide to like uh, do a reboot on their lives and they go live in Australia for a while. So there's a whole Outback era. Okay, so that's why everybody teleports to Australia all the time. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Why are the X-Men going to Australia? They're supposed to be a New York-based team. What are they doing? you're, You're forgetting that. Scott's brother and Madeline started uh, hooking up. Yes. So Havoc was part of that group that went to Australia, and Maddie joined them. She's the only human that joined them because she was there with the Dallas thing. And at that point, um, Scott had left her, and she had lost her baby. So she's like, I'll, st- I'll start a new life in Australia. Why not? I'll, I'll go eat, pray, love in the outback. Um, and while there, Havoc starts a relationship with Maddie, who is the wife of his brother, <laughs> Havoc's got issues. Alex has got some problems, and we experienced that in like full force in Inferno. Um, he he always wants women he can't have. Um, We've all been and- there, but yeah. <laughs> the X Men most of their problems are caused by who they're sleeping with. Well, that's what made the X Men so popular when they got rebooted in 1975 with Giant Size X Men. Was that prior to that, with Stanley and Jack Kirby writing them, they had kind of written them into a rut and and just had done like you know Monster of the Week boring stuff. And Chris Claremont was like, "What if it was a big soap opera and everyone was sleeping <laughs> with everybody and everyone was mad at everybody all the time?" And that's what happened. And the powers are like secondary, like their villains oh, yeah. and powers are. And the, the you fight see that scenes are just like wavy lines. They're like, oh, this yeah. crazy stuff's happening, but I'm still mad at you. And I was like, you can't even see the fights in this comic. No, book. the the juicy bits are when like <laughs> Rogue is wearing Dazzler's clothes yeah. oh, and is she flirting with her the- man. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 Dazzler blasts, you know, Rogue and Longshot's like, I'm not your property. Like, that's the juicy parts. That's the good stuff. I mean, I just love- enjoy those parts the best. <laughs> yes. Which is that why, scene specifically? It's so good. Um, if you go back and read that, I was that your issue, friend Dazzler. Uh, it's amazing to, to even just see them draw. Like I don't know how Rogue's hair fit in that helmet that she's oh. wearing of Dazzler, but it works. Um, and it's Rogue, like the like the cartoon Rogue, right? Because she's it got, is okay. She's got she's her got like Danvers Superman powers. Yeah, too, yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah, so the we've gone over like that's the cast of the of x factor essentially the uh, x factor was like when the new x-men from 1975 like they created their they were like the new team that then the x-men um created their own team that was supposed to be a front they were supposed to be look like mutant hunters which is why when the x-men show up they're mad at them because they're mutant hunters um they were hunting mutants i'm air quoting here and when they got those mutants, instead of like incarcerating them, they then like, you know, help them with their powers, kind of like Professor X's dream on the yeah. on the DL. And those mutants that they found, they kind of formed their own team, which was the Exterminators, which is that other title that ties into this. Yes, that has people like Richter and Boom Boom and Rusty and Skids and Whiz Kid. Don't worry about them. Um, <laughs> It, that whole story uh, of them with Inferno, it's just essentially establishing that, like, the demons are stealing babies. They need the babies to create a pentagram to open up a portal for mm-hmm. Inferno for Limbo to go into New York. That's all that's going on in Exterminators. Um, but that's what the X-Men were doing uh, with X-Factor. So that's why everybody's mad at them, because they look like they're supposed to be mutant hunters. 
Um, but they weren't. It was like a front. Um, went over that Archangel was fresh off the slab. He had just been given his metal wings and he's not even called by Archangel yet until this Yeah, they Inferno. call him Death. Yeah, they call him Yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that, that's who he was. He was Apocalypse's horseman. He was Death. He's got um, a, he's the coolest one in Inferno. Like him just out for revenge is like the coolest Sad, part. sad story, Angel, um, which is why he's so upset at Cameron Hodge at the beginning of this story because Cameron Hodge was uh, was – was the human liaison for X Factor, but he all the while is a big old bigot who was actually trying mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, besperge the names of mutants. And he, he, he a little bit of some uh, homoerotic sexual tension between him and Angel. I can, I can see um, it. Mm-hmm. They, they were like, you know, rich boy friends um, growing up. And he always was jealous of how, you know, successful and beautiful he and left amazing it he did. And so um, through a fight where um, in the Marauders actually damaged Angel's wings almost beyond repair, Cameron Hodge, while Angel was like unconscious, arranged for him to have his wings amputated and for his uh, will to be changed so that all of his inheritance went to X Factor, which was which had Cameron Hodge as the uh, what's that called when you're the uh, uh, the uh, beneficiary. The beneficiary or, or, or the, the what's it called when executor? you're able to make the executor of the state. That's what it is. And so he and then that leads to Angel trying to commit actual uh, uh, sorry, trigger warning here for self-harm. But he tries to, to commit suicide, mm. fails to do so because Apocalypse saves him, turns him into Archangel. Archangel. Mm-hmm. And so. That's where we're picking up. That's why he's so like freshly Archangel and upset at Cameron Hodge because he's just learned that Cameron Hodge was the Machiavellian like person behind all this. I thought and that was my favorite issue that I think I read. It's great. Their rivalry is so fun. Um, it's also just an extra sad story because um, you see in this uh, Angel's longtime girlfriend, Candy Southern, another human mm-hmm. love interest. Um, Cameron Hodge like murders her in front of like archangel um and you know that's why uh at the end of that angel's wings not fully under control of him because i don't remember if you recall this but like when he first gets to an archangel he doesn't have full control over those metal wings they're just like yeah he's like i'll kill you because he tells me he's like i don't have control i'll kill you if we fight yeah and that's when he decapitates cameron hodge and that that culmination of that fight um spoiler alert uh, the demon Nastir. So Nastir is a demon that actually creates a deal. He's making deals with everybody, mm-hmm. as you can see. He's making deals with everybody. He makes a deal with Cameron Hodge, and the deal is is that um, Cameron Hodge will uh, will not, you know, v- be vanquished by Archangel and his company, the the Right. Um, his company, his his it's like hate ter- group. Yes, hate group. <laughs> his, club, you know, really <laughs> the 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 legitimate business that is hating uh, minority groups. Mm-hmm. Um. That he won't do it when he decapitates him. Um, Cameron Hodge doesn't die, and he then is like a a disembodied head for I like forever. This. Yeah, who, who later on gets attached to like machinery and and techno organic stuff. I, we don't need to worry about that. But it, at this point, readers are like, "Oh, he just killed this man," and and that's the big deal that's happening in that. Um, also, back a little more backstory of Cyclops. I I have to cement how bad of a husband, husband he was before yeah. we get into this <laughs> so here's here's the laundry list 
of the no-nos that Cyclops did that you guys shouldn't do as as partners to people that you love. He, him and his wife are living happily in, in Alaska. Um, he makes her move back to New York so that he can co-lead the X-Men, even though they don't need a leader. He's just upset because Magneto was leading them at that point, mm. who was supposedly reformed. So he makes his wife move from a beautiful Alaska, Bob Ross country, to New York, <laughs> misses the birth of his child yeah, because yeah. he's in Asgard saving Storm from Loki. Um, then he almost abandons them entirely to take full-time leadership control of the X-Men, um, but gets... And, like, Maddie's begging him not to do this the entire time. Um Ops to fight Storm, who has no powers at this point. She gets her powers in Fall of the Mutants. They got taken away by a gun. Um, fights Storm with no powers. They both have no powers. Loses. Mm-hmm. Is a sore loser. He's a little little whiny, whiny uh, wuss puss. And he is Cyclops. He is. <laughs> um, is moping and whining. Maddie's trying to just love him with all her heart. She's just like, we can be happy together. We got little Christopher Nathan Summers well, to be our baby. And before I found out she was a clone, I was like, she looks a lot like Jean Grey. Yes. Like, I'm really confused. If not for like the uh, the little like bangs, bob yeah. cut kind of thing, that was the only differentiation. In fact, there's a um, there's an issue. The issue prior to, I think it's the t- 240 is the first. Uh, no, 239 is the first Uncanny X-Men issue. In 238, she has this whole dream sequence, which is where she actually makes the deal with the other demon, Sim, um, to to gain power and become the Goblin Queen. So that's we don't see that in this. So that's why that's confusing also. Okay, yeah. But she like, has this whole. Okay, okay. That makes yeah. sense. She has a whole dream sequence where um, she imagines herself uh, with Scott, and then all of a sudden, this like mannequin-like fiery entity shows up, and Scott, like the Phoenix, um, S- Scott chooses her, and then systematically starts pulling off, like in a dream sequence, the pieces of Madeline pulls off like her hair as a wig, puts it on the other like Phoenix mannequin takes her lips, her nose, her eyes, and puts it all, and it makes a new gene, while then Maddie's left as, like, this this mouthless, eyeless, you know, <laughs> nothing person. And so this is, like, them alluding to her origins. Maddie doesn't know what this means. And in this dream, that's, like, she's, she's distraught because, like, Scott's going to, you know, she's losing Scott. So Sim tempts her with these different versions of who she could be, and she picks... You know, she's like, it's just a dream. I'll pick this one. And she picks the version of the, of her that that wreaks revenge on Scott. Um, and that's what, like, she signs. It's like the, the sign of your name in blood kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yes. And that's why she looks like Jean Grey. Um, he he then, I already go, went over this. He abandons her yeah. to go be with Jean. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she threatens him to leave, and she does, that's what happens. And so, at that point, Scott's like fully just a total deadbeat dude that we all should hate for forever. (laughs) But he, it's the funny thing is like, I still like Scott. He's very much like, like to a lot of the queer communities, like I can fix him. I can fix him. I know I can. Don't don't worry about it. I know he's got issues. I can fix him. He's got a good heart. He's trying to help people. He's the problematic boyfriend that we all want and we shouldn't have. Um, and we, we all should just, you know, date someone better. He's so, the classic dad 
who like left you to like because he's like really into his work and like yeah. and, and, but he also kind of cheats on your mom sometimes when he's out of town. That yeah. that that hits very close to home for me. I was like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So, but he tries this, to be try- good, which is good, I guess. He does, he does, and, and the the majesty of these characters that I love is that any of these X Men characters, you can tell me any of your characters that you're like, this is my favorite person. I'll pull a story that makes them problematic or a, or a total jerk or an idiot because they've been around since the 1960s. They just they right. literally this last weekend celebrated their 60 year anniversary. Um, Hot take though. I think Cyclops, I know he's one of the most hated X-Men, but I, I, I definitely think he's the most human or one of the most human characters. He's so interesting. He's so interesting. It would and, be and very hard if my, someone I loved who died got resurrected it would be like Tom Hanks coming back in uh, that movie Castaway, and then <laughs> oh, Hel- yeah, yeah, oh yeah, and then Helen Hunt yeah. like leaves her family, and you're like, well, I get it, I guess. <laughs> it's 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 not the best thing ever for him, um, because like it also gets worse the more you talk about the details. Like um, they got married within months of meeting each other, him and Maddie. Oh, um, see, he's just not in a good space mentally. No, nope, in a trauma. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do the rebound. Don't do the rebound and don't date your ex. Like don't date a version of your ex. Go find someone better. I mean, you don't have to be a mental health professional to know like when your ex (laughs) died and you immediately marry someone who is basically looks just like the same person. Yeah. Turns out to be a clone that maybe you need, you know, a super therapist. Like where's Professor X? Yeah. Where's Professor X? (laughs) (laughs) He, um, let me see. I think at this point it's so hard. I because I jump around these comics so much, <laughs> my own mental continuity is off. Um, I believe he's in space with his his space queen bride, oh, the Shiar, the, the Shiar uh-huh. Lalandra, um, which is why Magneto was leading the X Men, which is why Cyclops was upset. So they're probably going to do Inferno in that new X Men cartoon. I bet. God, I hope. I bet they I do hope. because I heard the new season is. X goes to space, Magneto leads the X-Men, and then Sinister will be the main bad. I I would love well, it. That checks out. Cuz they cuz they cuz um the, the, that's the other reason I really wanted to do this is that like Maddie Pryor was such a big character through almost all of the 80s in the X-Men, but thanks to the end of Inferno, she was fully cemented as just a crazy villain who dies and she's brought back a few times through different iterations mm-hmm. just for a moment, but she's never a main character ever again. And it wasn't until recently with this whole new era of the X-Men on the mutant Island, Krakow and all that kind of stuff where they're resurrecting everybody um, that they bring her back and she kind of gets like her, her, uh, you know, her good story where they redeem her. And um, long story short, uh, magic hands over limbo to her. Okay. Uh, finally and so she she runs limbo and that kind of stuff but i'm so sad because she's such a huge like you can read this and you're like this is an important character this is a yeah. very important character but she's nowhere in the movies or the cartoons yeah. i nowhere. was like who is this person yeah and and it's a it's a, it's a huge story but i think it's because it came like this is 1988 1989 it's a big deal, and but a lot of people, like you just said it yourself, you're a '90s kid, mm-hmm. and everyone got enamored by the Jim Lee era of the X-Men, X-Men Number One when it got rebooted, mm-hmm. um, and then subsequently the Fox show, which which uh, mimicked that era. Like Jim Lee's drawings 
are what they base okay. the cartoon on. Like that, those costumes, you know, are what like everyone was like, oh, I, I, I want this. Um, I mean, even like you see in this comic, you see Psylocke. Do you recognize that costume? No. No. You're like, she's wearing battle armor and has like is actually covered and protected. It's because all the horny little boys who were reading the comics <laughs> fell in love with the Jim Lee uh, uh, ninja Asian Psylocke, mm-hmm. who was not supposed to be permanent. Um, and uh, because she was so loved in that form, they, you know, editorially, they were like, keep her here. We can sell toys with this. We can we can sell this look and everything like that. And so uh everyone fell in love with the 90s x-men and so i think that really because even like x-factor the title x-factor is not really as often associated with this version of x-factor no i was expecting i think havoc and like polaris uh, strong guy strong guy Mm -hmm. uh jamie madrix you know multiple man um all those kind of shatterstar and richter maybe that kind of thing um but this is this is the origin of these stories and um it's like the, the weird OG nerds who are like, Chris Claremont for the win. And everyone else is like, I like the Jim Lee stuff. And then, you know, beyond that, other writers like Fabian Nicieza and stuff like that really defined other eras. And then going into modern era with like Grant Morrison and, and John Hickman and that kind of thing. Um, but this is, it's so good. It's, you, you pointed out, it's so much drama. It's so much, uh, uh, sassiness like there's even infighting in this where they yes. get the x-men fighting the x-men there's like five villains going on here like, it's between a lot. sinister and sim and nastir and maddie and all that yeah i we haven't even t- i'm not even i don't even want to touch nanny and orphan maker although i know you're just like who the hell are these guys i was like yeah Who's i have the no egg lady idea. yes i was like what is- i was like okay okay well, who is that person <laughs> they don't explain it at all okay nanny and orphan maker they show up and they're part of the like the the ongoing like we need to find all the mutant babies issue you know gene and scott are trying to find a specific mutant baby scott's baby the demons want to find mutant babies to make their portal and then nanny and orphan maker want to find babies because nanny's crazy and thinks that she can take care of mutant babies better than their parents um and so She's very much like um like like a uh, like fairies that you know used to or was it fairies or elves used to steal babies yeah, and like leave like fae. a yeah like yeah fae yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, thing yeah, yeah. and then so, orphan maker is just a robot and then it goes into the house and then shoots them with a gun which I was like it's, okay <laughs> it's so much deeper nanny is actually a scientist a female scientist that used to work with Mister Sinister mm. um, whose full name is actually Nathaniel Essex um, and he traps her in that robot suit that looks like a egg and so she's trapped in there um which is hilarious yes uh and then she finds uh the child who becomes orphan maker and basically that's actually a uh like a it's almost like a ron williams jack situation where he's like full-grown dude with the mind of a child Uh, okay that makes sense he is in that armor because nanny found him and they've never answered what it is but if he uses the his mutant power when he when like if he uses it it will end the world like something he's too powerful and it will end it so he is being contained in that suit um which is why he's strong and which is why he's like invulnerable but also like he has a gun apparently (laughs) yeah um they're like a side story that actually gets wrapped up right after inferno 
um, right after they fight Sinister at the end there with Inferno. Mm-hmm. And they wrap it up with them finally fighting each other and they defeat Nanny and Orphan Maker. And uh, Jean Grey manages to get her uh, siblings who were under control of Nanny. Like she finds Nanny's got her little like minions, the Lost Boys, mm-hmm. who fight for her. And Jean realizes that one of them's her like missing sisters. Yeah, she um, really, yeah it, that does that happens in Inferno, and they're like hypnotized or something, brainwashed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and they they resolve that after Inferno, and she gets her 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 kid her uh, siblings back, which like is a whole gray family reunion because it's also like Maddie, who when when she visits the cemetery of Jean Gray's grave, her parents <laughs> That's visit. Right. It, I forgot she killed her parents. And turns them into demons, um, and they get turned back from being demons, and they all have a big reunion on top of ship, um, which is X Factor's ship that they stole from Apocalypse. Previously on X Men. Hello, class. I just want to take a moment to say thanks. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Thanks for joining me in my greatest passion project to date. Thanks for dealing with me talking too much and rattling on about Jean Grey and Emma Frost and Archangel and Mystique and Cyclops and Beast for way too long. I appreciate your support and your ears. So just that. Thanks. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by our Patreon, which pays to keep the servers running, the mics hot, and my apartment nice and cool. I'm going to go hit upload on this episode and go get an ice beverage to drink while I read more comics. So thank you to all our patrons at patreon.com slash class of X. Back to Inferno. I don't even, we haven't even, like, we, we, we've been talking for 45 minutes. <laughs> it's a lot of backstory. And we haven't even talked about like just like the actually what was going on because I find this like this story so fun because it's a great like New York horror story. There's a reason why they have a Ghostbusters cameo in this is because it's just a great story of like the city of Manhattan being taken over by a demonic realm, which I know we always think of limbo in more of like the modern religious sense of like this in between place between mm-hmm. like heaven and hell in the comics. It's almost like another hell, which is why there's demons and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I love the art of like the Manhattan turning into demons. Like even that yes. in X-Men two thirty nine that opening sequence, which is horrific of the family the elevator. Yeah. Like the the body horror scene of the elevator eating that family and the blood spilling out of the <laughs> yeah. elevator, it's ugh, chef's kiss. Good. It was more um, adult than I was anticipating, but like, yeah, I love and like all the stuff coming to life and like watching the X Men be like, here's a watching Wolverine fight, fight a mailbox. Yes, it was so good. <laughs> and they, when they started talking, because uh, in the beginning they didn't talk, like the no, but then they started talking. I was like, yes, I'm all in on this. It's so great. Like the the subway turns into a demonic snake, and the <laughs> the police are on these like they like, look like ATS. Or, yeah, <laughs> they they look like Star Wars adats, like from uh, Endor, like those like those mm-hmm. those walkers. Yes, and so... like demonic versions of that. There's and if you want to read the other tie-ins. That's what's mostly going on is like Thor is fighting these weird demon mm-hmm. characters. And that's why I alluded like there's a great scene of Daredevil fighting a demonic vacuum, which is just timeless Marvel classic. Oh, so good. But there's a lot of great like uh, very adult moments in it that are, are frightening. I imagine if you were reading this as a kid, like even the moment where Maddie turns Jean Grey's parents into demons, there's this panel of their like flesh melting so away. So I thought she and- murdered them. Yeah. 
it, it, it's she if, if it sometimes can be hard i i fully recognize that sometimes it can be hard to follow what they're laying down in the comics because they're trying to tell a story without motion they're trying to tell a story mm-hmm. um with you know limited amount of pages and if you read it they get they get put into this little cocoon and then they come out and they're demons which is why then later when they touch gene she's like <gasps> it's my parents she like psychically uh recognizes them um but yeah it the whole story is de-evolving into like manhattan turning into this this demonic realm uh which again is why but it's more you have like all of these stories going on in new york and then all of a sudden new york just gets all haunted so x-factor and x-men everybody's doing stuff and then all of a sudden they're like why is the subway trying to kill us and you're you're it's slowly happening to everybody and nobody fully knows what's going on because nobody has the full story because even though the new mutants are trapped in limbo and are trying to help uh, Ileana Rasputin, Rasputin Colossus' sister, deal with like her whole situation there, they don't know what's going on, you know, on on the or on Earth. And while X Factor and like Gene and Scott are like trying to find his baby, you know, Beast and Iceman are just trying to save you know New York citizens from being mm-hmm. eaten by you know a mailbox. Um, and and then Angel is is you know he's dealing with like trying to save his girlfriend um and so it's a great thing where everyone's distracted by so much going on and the other x-men are in australia having their own little orgy whatever they were Mm -hmm, doing there mm -hmm. and so all the while maddie gets to kind of slowly come into her power and the 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 it's all these villains who had their own like uh plots they're trying to do you know mr sinister is just trying to find the perfect baby um he's trying to make a baby that will be able to defeat apocalypse who is his master at this point and that's who cable is supposed to be he's he just loves them scott's those those summers boys in their genes and he loves gene grays and he's he's convinced that their genes will make the perfect mutant that could defeat apocalypse and it was it was cable um and so he thinks he can manipulate maddie by doing that Nastir thinks that he can manipulate Maddie in order to permanently open up a portal between Limbo and Earth to bring Inferno to, you know, the, our our planet. Um, all the while, Maddie is like coming into her own with these psychic powers, and she's more powerful than anybody realized. She actually like that's why they explain like a piece of the Phoenix went mm-hmm. into her when Jean Grey sacrificed, or the Phoenix sacrificed itself, um, and so. That's what I love about this is that while I don't like that they they had to make Maddie crazy in a villain in order to redeem Scott and Jean, um, <laughs> I love that it's in the end it's Maddie just being like, none of you get to control me. I'm in charge here. <laughs> I get to decide who, what we do with my baby, and I decide we're killing my baby in order to get back at Mr. Sinister and my stupid husband. Um and it's it's horrific. It's the worst thing a mom can do, you know, is like mm-hmm. harm her children. But they, it's still like I love just seeing, you know, these like these, uh, you know, a, a big villainess, you know, oh, yeah. uh, uh, shirk off the chains of her manipulators and try to write her own story. And there's a lot. Go- I mean, there's just a lot going on, and you're like, okay, but then she throws off the chains. I mean, it's it's cool. It's it's really. I enjoyed it. It was batshit insane, but I yeah. lo- really liked it. Uh, Walk me through maybe since I've just been 
speaking like a block uh-huh. of audio for forever. <laughs> Walk me through some of your like. Do you have like questions and or like confusion points that you still don't understand what was no, happening? No, I think I got it now. When the demons first showed up, I was very confused. I'm like, oh, so there's <laughs> demons? Okay, like when Arch- Archangel. Basically, the whole thing starts with Archangel going to like rescue his girlfriend and murder yeah. his rival. Oh, yeah. There's demons there, too. <laughs> and he's, like, fighting regular people, and then all of a sudden demons show up, and he's like, oh, I guess I'll kill these demons. And I was like, I guess we will. I was like, what? <laughs> but then that's, it goes good. <laughs> that's part of throwing you into the deep end yeah. where I can't ask a guest to read. I need you to read back from 1985 <laughs> onward, yeah. and and you'll understand why there's demons with Cameron Hodge and the right. Um, but it, oh. it, but it was you good. kind of get – you kind of get the story as it goes and it it fully was a retcon like this entire story is a retcon um and so what you are reading what you're reading of like learning about the real origins of maddie and all that kind of stuff that was the the reader like that was the big reveal was that She's, maddie is actually a clone sinister grew her she's a clone yeah and implanted memories inside her i and honestly i think she would have been a I mean, I guess the 80s, they weren't so nuanced. But if she just didn't want to kill her kid and just wanted to kill Scott for leaving them yeah. and then also, like, conquer a lot of stuff, yeah, I think she would have been great. Like, I, I think oh. going killing the kid was, like, one step too far. Yeah. I was like, ah, this ain't super believable. But if she was like, I want my kid to rule by my side or something, I'd be like, all right, this this chick is really pissed. And And you're touching on what, you know, I can only assume. But what I assume, like, without you know a higher up telling him what to do mm-hmm. someone like chris claremont or even louise simonson uh would have wanted to do because claremont loved big strong female characters which is it's why we have rogue the way we have rogue it's why we have storm the way we have storm it's why you know we have all these great big female characters because like the original x-men were four dudes in their token girl right who was you know uh the least powerful of them you know she could barely move a chair with her mind um and she had like no psychic powers to speak of and then it wasn't until like the claremont era they were like well what if we make her like an all-powerful cosmic entity that can like uh evaporate people with her mind (laughs) um and that's like i that's like claremont's love that's that's why it's way that's even like you know why psylocke is in here and why she's such a cool Mm -hmm. character um do you do you know who Longshot is? So that's like okay, yeah. Longshot is in the X Men cartoon. Okay, he is. Yes, he is. So it took me a long time <laughs> to place that he basically has the power set of Domino. Uh, basically, and, and I was like, but I have no idea about who he is as a person. <laughs> so he he's a member of the X Men. He's actually from a different dimension. He's he's like a, a homegrown mutant from a different dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, but he finds himself like trapped in in six one six, and so he joins up with that team. And he he has uh, a, a you know a love interest kind of thing going so on is with he Dazzler. From Mojo's place? Mojo. Okay, he's yeah. from there. Okay. Um, and so he's like a refugee from the Mojo verse, um, which is the whole a separate dimension that like it's like if everything was a television show if everything was truman show Mm -hmm. run by the craziest man on the planet who's a giant yellow blob um and his powers are a little bit like dominoes in that but they're a little different and they allude to in this in the end when he 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 is lucky as long as his intents are altruistic as long as he's being good okay and and so that's why he is so distraught that when he's like being influenced by the inferno spell when all of them are turning you know weird demonic villain mm-hmm. versions of themselves that he uses his luck powers for bad 
Um, and he feels so bad about it. He doesn't think he can do anymore because they're no longer like being fueled by the correct Mm -hmm. positive power, you know? Um, but that's why it's so like, Oh, your, your Psylocke tells him like, Oh no, your luck powers are still there. You can do it. And he throws that little, that little knife that, um, just bounces off the force field, but manages to show them exactly where to break the force field that Maddie has Jean Grey trapped <laughs> uh-huh. in while she's trying to do like a joint suicide thing to, in order to finally yes. de- deal with Jean. She wanted Jean dead for sure. Um, but yeah, the, the the rest of the cast, I'm pretty sure of the X-Men is pretty easy, you know, because it's Storm, Wolverine, Colossus, Rogue, mm-hmm. Havoc, Psylocke, Dazzler, and Longshot. Dazzler might be confusing to some people because um, she's not been a really a main character in anything x-men wise in all other media she's um, she's been in vi- so i played a lot of video games too so she's been in that there's you get some backstory you know you know you get some backstory with all this stuff she was that. in the famicom uh-huh. uh x-men thing do you know why she's in that uh that car- arcade game instead of some other well-known no. character the original pilot episode of the x-men cartoon um called pride of the x-men p-r-y-d-e oh. was um, this original idea that uh, the the kind of like the audience character that Jubilee became mm-hmm. later, like the audience can kind of see themselves in Jubilee as everything is explained to Jubilee, was supposed to be Shadowcat, Kitty Pride. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And they they had a whole cast of characters and included Dazzler. The Famicom X Men arcade game was based on that pilot episode, um, and so a lot of the settings you see in the video game are in that pilot show which you can actually watch on youtube if you want to watch oh, i definitely want to watch. um it's actually really fun to watch because they clearly put a lot more money into the animation of that pilot in order to sell the idea better until they had to make it cheaper like you do with most yes. cartoons <laughs> and so dazzler was a was a character in it and so that's why she's in it um in the arcade game and most people who play the arcade game are like i don't know who this character is the blue bodysuit uh <laughs> yeah david bowie lookalike um uh but that's who she is she's this musician who's this actual like superstar who actually just got introduced not too far before inferno um and she is like this singer who um her powers are she turns sound into light which can be ah. lasers or illusions and that kind of thing. She mostly uses it to like finger guns, <laughs> yeah. lasers at yeah. everything. I was like, okay, she just shoots. She's like way more powerful Jubilee. Basically, That's Jubilee would like focus yeah. with focus. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so Dazzler and Longshot, they're like an on again, off again, kind of like love situation. Um, we went over like Nastir. Sim is also there, but you don't see him very much in Inferno. No. He's referenced he is another demon who's trying to take over Limbo, him and Nastir, and they, like, demons, once they finally get their way, they fight, and Nastir defeats him, mm-hmm. and he becomes the big baddie. Um, but he's the one who originally, I, sh- I told you, tempts Maddie with, like, the Goblin Queen kind of thing. Um, and then I do want to spend a little time talking about just Mr. Sinister. Yeah, he's cool as shit. Did this. you... Do you feel like you had like an understanding of who he was prior to this because of the cartoon or yes, anything like the that? The cartoon set me up for him a lot because I was like, okay, he cloned it, makes sense. He set all this up, wants their yeah. baby. This all checks out. Classic Mister Sinister. That's right because he is like one of the first villains introduced in the cartoon because mm-hmm. he steals Morph. Yes, and then he comes back every like almost every season of the cartoon. Morph or Sinister? Sinister. Yeah, he does. That's Sinister. Even in this one where like. 
it's I love the final fight scene between them where they finally realize that he's confining Cyclops for a reason. Mm-hmm. And so if they can get his attention off of Cyclops, maybe they could do something. So that's when the all the other X-Men fight Sinister so that Havoc can overpower his brother with their powers and then he can finally shoot Sinister with his optic blasts, which are like the only thing that hurts him. Which is from the cartoon uh, too. It was in the cartoon. Like, yeah, they did that in the cartoon mm-hmm. where he like shoots him and he he can't reform himself. Mm-hmm. Sinister's another character that always comes back because they basically can can resurrect him with he made a clone of himself constantly because he just clones himself mm-hmm. ad infinitum. Um, but he's he's in his like peak evil era at this point. In the modern comics, he's much more uh, theatrical, um, <laughs> a bit more silly and uh, oh, no. campy. He's very camp. He's very camp, which is good because um, they, after this story, they try to add more and more to his lore. He's mm-hmm. like very old too. He's he's um he he he's not a mutant. He turned himself into a mutant, um, oh. and he's he's been around since like World War Two and World War One and that kind of thing. But they. They tried to retcon his past by giving him more history, and they made him a little, just a little bit of a Nazi. They made him a light oh, Nazi. No. Uh oh. And th- it sucks when you do that because then that makes a character like basically irredeemable. Like, yeah. no one's, no one's gonna redeem the Red Skull. He's, he's done. He's, a, he's a Nazi forever. Um, and it, once you, you do that, like, you can't do anything to these villains, which sucks with X Men villains because they're so fun when they like join the team or have a little stint where they're feeling like they're on a good side. And so it wasn't until they kind of like, uh, I think it was Kieran Gillen, the writer. He basically, he retconned it perfectly. This is what he did. He's like, I want to make sinister fun again and campy and I want to use him, but Mm -hmm. I I don't want to deal with his Nazi bigoted backstory. Mm -hmm. So basically all he did was uh, he wrote a story where um, we're dealing with that sinister. Another clone of sinister shows up, shoots that sinister in the head (laughs) and like, and basically just says, that's the Nazi part of me. Um, Glad I got rid of that. And and they just, they retcon (laughs) it that way. And he's just silly and, and all about fashion and making jokes and everything like that afterwards. He's much more gay and, 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 It's great. And I love that X-Men can just do that with these characters uh, because their villains are the fun part. Yes. They have great villains. Sinister's a great villain. He's a great villain here. He's a great villain in the cartoon. Like, you know, I like that. I didn't know he was like below Apocalypse. Yes. So that gives his motivation. Like in the cartoon, he's just like this evil dude who wants to steal their babies all the time for no reason. so many of the X-Men villains are like, cause of the, the, the themes of X-Men, they're obsessed with like genetics mm-hmm. and, and some facet of that, you know, Magneto thinks that mutants should be the reigning species and mm-hmm. thinks that he should be able to top them that apocalypse survival of the fittest, you know, mutants are, are, are the next step of survival of the fittest. They should do that. And so sinister is obsessed with, with, uh, um, what's it called? Like euthogenics, that mm-hmm. kind of thing oh, where yeah, like, eugenic, mm-hmm. eugenics where he's just like um he wants to create the perfect being he wants to create you know the perfect mutant which is why he's obsessed with like combining scott and jeans jeans um and so yeah he's apocalypse is is pulling his strings but sinister wants to be the big baddie and so he's trying to figure out a way to defeat apocalypse Mm -hmm. um and it's it blows up in his face because then he gets destroyed by this and it doesn't even work out because later on the reason why cable has the metal arm and metal everything 
it's not how they explained it in the movie Deadpool two, mm-hmm. which I don't even know if they explained his metal stuff in the movie. Um, but basically when apocalypse learns that this little baby is going to grow up to be like the downfall of him, he infects him with a techno organic virus. Right, techno organic. Yes. Okay. That's a big thing. And it infects his arm and it only stops because uh, Cable keeps it at bay with his telekinesis. Mm-hmm. Because it makes it less um, powerful, right? To keep it yep. at bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's like, I don't know what it's called in like the trope in like, you know, writing where you like write in a way that your all powerful character can't use mm-hmm. all their powers all the time. Um, it's like whenever like, you know, you're playing Zelda Tears of the Kingdom and they, they have to like take away all your hearts right. and stamina because they can't let you start the new game with 20 hearts and three <laughs> rings of stamina, you know, and the master sword. We got to knock mm-hmm, you down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and so then they can build up to it and that kind of thing, which is also like that harkens to like why they had to, you know, kill something like the Phoenix, because it's it's harder to write these omnipotent characters and not as fun when they can do anything. Right. And it it changes the scale of things because you, you when you've got other mutants that can't do things like that it makes it hard to you know it's like the hawkeye and black widow thing with the avengers yeah. like oh, what yeah. are they doing <laughs> thor's a god with the power of lightning and and and, and captain america's agent. yeah yeah and they're like i can shoot stuff really well <laughs> um and they're great characters have been around forever but it, it's always a challenge like what do you do with them it's like why you keep like daredevil works because daredevil fights daredevil scale villains mm-hmm. you know you don't put Daredevil versus Galactus. It's not going to end well. Um, I love Galactus. So, he's so great. He's such a good character as well. Uh, speaking of Galactus, he's so good. In, uh, I love the ultimate version of him, um, which they kind of tried to use in, in the, 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 Fantastic Four. the second yeah. Fantastic yeah. Four, <laughs> which is not a good movie. No, it's not. Um, but I, 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 lo- I th- I, in the comics, I think they did a better job of it. Um, I think in the movies they wanted everybody was like, I want to see the big guy with the purple hat. Mm-hmm. I want to see the big, oh, big man, purple hat, Jack Kirby, uh, sparkles around him all the time. Um, got another tangent. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, I'm sorry. I'm getting us off track. N- no, get us off track because I will, <laughs> we've been recording for an hour and I'll just talk about X-Men for forever. <laughs> um, what else have we not covered in this weird, uh, story that happened? Oh my I God. love, I, I, I'm so happy that they resolve the Trish Tilby thing at the end because it's so sad. Beast is a really sad story Um, because he's like this really sad story of like um, a barely passing human looking mutant. Right. Big, big hands and big feet who, um, you know, he doesn't get the girl. They all have the hots for Jean Grey except for Iceman because he's a big homosexual in (laughs) the beginning of the comics. But, Scott gets the girl and then beast has these weird big hands and feet that kind of make people stand off. He he doesn't have the blue hair for a long time. Right. But then he, he experiments on himself to try to cure his mutant them and it makes it worse. He turns into a first, a gray version and then a blue version. Um, and he finally gets to be human again, but he's losing all of his intellect. And so now he's finally back to his full self and he's like, he's like witty and, and, Mm -hmm japes and jabs and everything like that and, and then his love yeah and then his love interest is like ew i don't like that you are okay with all this danger yeah um, i was weirded out because i was like Bruh. she's like i don't know if i like this new beast he's smart <laughs> he's brave he's strong 
He doesn't <laughs> need me. And I was like, whoa, girl, this is really unhealthy. A little bit toxic. A little yeah, toxic. Yeah, yeah. But they tries. don't <laughs> they tries. don't end well in the long run. They they date on and off for a very long time. And it actually ends super sad, super sad, which actually the beast eventually he's like a villain right now in the X-Men comics. Oh, full really? full like uh crazy off his off his kilter villain uh who thinks that he knows what's best for everybody. Like he's like that kind of villain. Oh, okay. Like Illuminati and, type character. Part of it could be attributed to Trish Tilby because um, he goes through a few other evolutions. That version of Beast is not the final evolu- evolution of Beast. Grant Morrison takes over in 2000s and he gets tra- he gets evolved again, like a secondary evolution, and he kind of dons a more like cat-like persona. Okay, he looks a- he looks a little bit like the Beast from Beauty and the Beast, honestly, um, and. He, his hands become even less like human hands and they become even more paw-like. Mm. He's got fingers, but more paw-like. Anyways, he looks much more feline and and animal-like. Trish breaks up with him because she thinks it, it's starting to feel too much like... Um, she uses, uses the word bestiality. Um, <laughs> oh, man, poor guy. A poor guy. Like, he's he's dealing with his own like physical transformations that make him not a passable human at all he is a he is a mutant wherever he walks and uh she breaks up with him for that he doesn't make good choices he um a rumor starts that he is gay Mm -hmm. he doesn't squash the rumor and leans into it because he thinks it makes him cool it's not not a good moment (sighs) what year Um, is this this is like early 2000s okay Um, ultimate stuff yeah i got you (laughs) But then that doesn't work out. He also goes through a whole nother like evolution again at one point. He makes a huge mistake where he like he 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 thinks that Scott Summers has fallen too far from Grace and wants to teach him a lesson by bringing the original X Men back from the past to show Scott how far he's fallen. And he screws up, and the X the original X Men get trapped in the present for like almost forever. <laughs> Beast is not a not not a good end story. But I think Trish didn't help. Didn't help. But also, I don't think the man went to therapy. There's no therapy <laughs> in these comics. Yeah. No. This here, you said, who wears Professor X? Because you were trying to find a therapist. Yeah. He's also a terrible therapist. Yes. <laughs> He's a bad dad. He's a very bad dad. Um, like, Scott Summers abandoned his little baby to go be with his, like, resurrected wife. Professor X has like like two abandoned sons that he's left to deal to 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 raise his real children, the X-Men. Um, and then he leaves them for that really hot empress. He 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 abandons them to go d- help her and be you know space uh, consort. Um, and so he's not. They need a therapist. Yeah, they don't have one. And every time it's great. Every time like a new person from like the real world joins them, <laughs> they're always like, "Y'all are broken. Like y- y'all are are sleeping with each other too much, and you're." <laughs> Not dealing with your problems, and it's y'all. Y'all need a therapist. Okay, so the weird part is because I work a lot with first responders. Very similar cultures of like sleeping around too much, not going <laughs> you're, to therapy. You're right. You're right. <laughs> it's like a, I've heard that about first responders, and I've heard that about the military, ER, and ERP. And, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's Grey's Anatomy. It's Grey's Anatomy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Same thing. It's the, it's the exact same thing, but they have special powers. I'd like to say I don't live in an in, work in an industry that's similar, but my industry is similar, where there's just too much, 
people hooking up with each other mm-hmm. in the same industry. Sometimes it works out okay. I've got instances of friends that it works out okay. I got instances where it didn't work out yeah, okay. I, I feel the same way. I feel the same, same way. I date a normal person. I date uh, a girl who's got a real job. She's she's like she works for government health uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know does research on uh, uh, post mortem mortality rates and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then I'm the dancing monkey screaming into a microphone and talking about this Jean Grey chick. She's crazy. <laughs> she's crazy. Jean Grey is kind of crazy. But but the, I, I do the same thing. I've dated people at work where you're like, oh, but they. And like I understand it because like you want people, they get they get they, they get, get it. it they get it so you, you know as an X Men you want someone who gets it because you know you yeah. Don't want, yeah but every time well, they that's date what, someone who's normal they yeah. turn out to be a villain and they kill them in the end you know like you know it, or, or or the the love interest dies like there's I think one instance of a love interest that got married and is still alive to this day and that is North Star from the Canadian group Alpha Flight. And he's he's the original gay X-Men. Um, and he married a man and uh, they're still married and he's still alive. But everyone else oh, that's great. Candy <laughs> Candy Southern and Iceman, Trish Tilby. Iceman's currently gay, right? Like he he came Iceman's out that was gay. a few years ago. Was that was that like, was that recently? I read about that it. That was God, we just did an episode about it. That was like two thousand thirteen, something like okay. that. Um and but he's even he dates inside the X-Men with the other homosexuals that are in there. Um, he actually dated like Emma Frost's brother for a bit. Okay. Um, which is funny cause, cause his name is, he's Iceman. He dated a boy named Frost. Um, <laughs> but they, they do better. Like they do better when they date. It's the, while they shouldn't, they do better when they date inside their mm-hmm. group, like Rogue and Gambit. They're married now. They're oh, and wow. they're, okay. they fully got hitched. Um, and they're a happy couple, but because of the longevity of these characters, it'll probably end bad at some point to, to write in some tension. Um, because, uh, Gene and Scott got married and then also got divorced. Uh, well, um, so God, Scott's bad. I'm just realizing Scott's bad because they got married and then eventually he had a psychic affair with Emma Frost. Oh yes. Um, I remember this. I, I I've heard of this. This is from the new X-Men era with Grant Morrison, um, which honestly, Scott and Emma are the best couple ever out of all the iterations of Scott's couples. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did have an affair with uh, his wife's uh, arch rival. But good news for Scott. she Jean died soon after that. <laughs> <laughs> and so him Luck and Emma were free. Side. Died again. They're free to be just nasty people together. So Jean dies again. She dies, I think, only twice. <laughs> um, but that's the whole thing of like this was the this was in the beginning of it, but it was near the beginning where like it started the trope of X Men. They don't stay dead. Marvel characters don't generally yeah, yeah. stay dead. Marvel characters don't stay dead. It's because they're too much business. They're they're like. We 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 want to sell toys, we want to sell cartoons, and we want to sell movies, and we can't have you keep these characters well, dead and forever. I think the MCU really shows why killing off big characters can have very negative, very real consequences. Because I think the but MCU it, has been far worse since they let their characters die. And but I mean, I love it because it's like it, yes. it, it gives an ending. You know, like okay, there's stakes. Yeah, at at, at, at 
that's what like um chris claremont he's so funny to see in interviews because he really bemoans a lot of their choices that he recognizes were choices they had to make for business reasons but as an author as a writer he's like this sucks he he hates that they had to re resurrect gene like there was a no resurrect gene rule in the x office that was only broken by the editor at that time who said we got to break the rule gene's got to come back um he also like he hates crossover events because once they started doing it um they couldn't stop doing them because they were like oh it gave us a spike in sales because mm -hmm. everyone wants to know all the tie-ins and get the whole story you know so we have to keep doing him. So then that's all everybody's waiting for is like the next big crossover event. Um, but like some of them are great and Inferno's one of them. Um, it, it's, it's what, tell how about this? You tell me, Mikey, what did you not like about Inferno? Tell me, give me a criticism. Okay. Okay. Break it down. Let me break it down. I think it went too big. <laughs> it did. A hundred percent valid. Um, and I, I read X Factor and Uncanny, and I liked the Uncanny better because it had sinister. It had all the sinister stuff and like Scott, yeah. and, and you know, well, now I'm now I'm mixing them up because well you had you had Storm, Wolverine, and the other ones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, Colossus, like, Psylocke, everything like that. Yeah, it's kind of they're like, oh, Jean's alive. We got to go find her in New York. Yeah, she's with Scott. And I was like, I guess she just came back to life. And then. Um, X Factor was cool because it's Scott and Gene looking for the baby. I like watching you try to like, like unravel this yeah. mess. <laughs> you're making your you're making your point regardless. Yeah. That it is it is it is a lot. Like, and like they, if they, they would don't just radio each other, it would have been like a little <laughs> bit better. You, you like they I'm like, you have all the other X Men over there who would like totally come help you instead they like randomly come help you. It's like the sitcom thing of like um the drama has only happened because no one's talking. Yeah. And you have like literally eight different groups of mutants not communicating and then no. randomly finding themselves in Manhattan that's turned into like a demon city. Yeah. And then they're like, hmm. Oh, there's Beast over there. We should go check in with him. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay. Well, and then by the time they show up, they're they're mad at them. And then the Inferno spell mm -hmm. basically. Makes, yeah, they got to kill the Marauders. Yeah. Uh yeah they do there's a few murders there's a few <laughs> murders in this one, um they shouldn't do murders but every once in a while there's a murder they were under a spell uh, it's not them I I I you know I suspended my disbelief you know I just, you know. <laughs> I wait no uh I almost forgot to ask your opinion about something very important in this mm -hmm, comic mm -hmm. what did you think about Goblin Prince Havoc and his skimpy little outfit he got after holding on to the carriage thoughts on that you know. It was the 80s, and so, like, <laughs> I, the to this event had a couple of different tones, where it was supposed yes. to be, like, really serious, and I think the outfits of some of these new people were a little bit... And then bit there's some silliness. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, the Goblin Queen's... Her outfit is ridiculous as well. It's so good. It's so good, <laughs> because it's looking at, like, you know, the trope of, like, scantily clad... Yeah female comic characters and it's like how can we how can we mix this up what if we really lean into underboob <laughs> what if that's the thing and honey it worked there's a lot of hips and it and it's like she's teleporting away from sleeping with havoc and then yep. she like teleports into her like 
it's like a Halloween. It's like a like a spirit Halloween, like slutty version of Hobgoblin <laughs> or whatever. And, <laughs> and it like, really is. It really is the <laughs> Halloween slutty version of like a witch. It's a witch, you know. And it's like, so good though. And she's like, but it's it it's it, it it it's like one of those things that became. It's obviously it's got its origins in a little bit of misogyny. Yeah, because this is men writing these comics, um, but it's. It's also like she Maddie Pryor, the Goblin Queen, is a queer icon. She is <laughs> beloved by the queer community. I could see it. I could see it. Yeah. Yeah. You you get it. Like queer kids love horror. They love camp. They love mm-hmm. melodrama. They love a big uh, female baddie who they can get behind. You know, it's like the Elvira. And the, outfit, the outfits are yeah. over the top. Over the yeah. top. And the Maddie like design is she that's her costume for from then on. She's always known for the underboob, like <laughs> that look. Um, I was like that, you know, why have a cape at all? That like uh, of like all the things where <laughs> you need a cape. You have to have a cape. <laughs> you have to have a cape if you're going to be the Goblin Queen. You have to have a cape, and you, you you have to continue the trope of female costumes that should not work in combat because oh. Everything would spill out at any point. You could even strip in that. No, it's it. But but back to what I was asking about. I love that they put Alex Summers in a skimpy little shredded Goblin Prince outfit um, because it's so it's so cute. He they even like there's a perfect panel in it where he's he's even got his arms on his hips and is he's kind of making a weird pose and he's trying to make fun of his brother. You know, but he's he looks just like the sassiest little sidekick you've ever seen in your life. You know, it's great. He's got a no lot notes. of abs. No notes. You know, if you have a lot of abs, you got to wear a crop top. And that's that's yeah. how it is. And that's, you know, yeah. my brother's the same way. Honestly, the X-Men in general, and along with a lot of other comics, they they do play the trope where these characters are constantly getting their costume ripped off of them. Wolverine's naked about half the time in the comic books yeah. because he's just getting shot up with so many bullets or it's caught mm-hmm. on fire that he's just naked in the wilderness half the time. Um, and the rest of them that happens to them as well. I mean, Colossus doesn't even wear clothes. He's got a little, yeah. little speedo and boots, you know, it's yeah. perfect. It's, you know, the ripped show those muscles off. It's a good, if you want to go as a cu- – this is the perfect couple's Halloween costume if you're very attractive. <laughs> Maddie, Maddie Pryor and Alex Summers, couple's costume. <laughs> well, see, and that's why we need them to include them into the cartoon or the movies <laughs> or any of that <laughs> yeah. so that peep this will catch on because, like, everyone loves the X-Men of what they know. You know, yeah. like, there's people who don't read the comics, but they are they are enamored by Storm because she's an amazing idea, mm-hmm. you know? And she's their their design is it, it transcends like even reading the comics, and you're like, I want Rogue's bomber jacket. I love Rogue's bomber jacket. I want that girl looks good with a skunk, you know, a streak in her hair. And, and I think Inferno, you know, it's dated now. But if you took a modern take on it, like you redid yeah. this with like a little, you know, things that we've left Ma- behind in the eighties, little yeah. little tweaks, I think it could be amazing. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I I always feel like I'm a broken record when I'm recording this podcast because I'm always like, it's so good. It's so good. But mm-hmm. this one, I hadn't reread this 
in years and i don't think i read as much of this as i did back in the day you you talked about how like you know when we for people like us first read comics you just kind of grabbed what was whatever mm-hmm. and you jumped in at random points um and sometimes you'd get the full story and later on when like wikipedia became a thing yeah, you kind of right. can fill in some of the blanks but rereading it this way and spending a lot of time i was going back and like trying to read a lot of backstory and i was like where did this come from and so i was reading a lot of stuff this is it's this is chris claremont's like masterpiece uh that is only bes- like besmirged by the fact that it it had to end with gene and cyclops being heroes and Maddie had to go full crazy and try to kill her kid in order to bring yeah, and re- hell to me- and Manhattan. I'm really empathetic to her wanting to kill Scott. I think, or and Jean, you know, and Mister Sinister, and the demons. Like, I think she's I just been imagine you, Mikey, reading me like, "Yeah, kill him, kill him." Yeah, just get I was him. like, "This lady has been screwed over by everyone." But like, once you try to kill your own kid, you go a little too far. Yeah. So I, and, I like, and, yeah, just adjust that. You got a cool kind of villain. And it's not the smoothest transition either. And I think they knew it, but like, that's why they even at the end of it, they were like, uh, Gene absorbs the, the, the part the of the part Phoenix, of the Phoenix force yeah. so that she has all her memories so that she like, they even like write in, like I'm she has a deep, mommy. Yeah, yeah. I'm your new mommy. <laughs> Hi, I, I, I look like your Madeline's mommy. baby. I was like, you <laughs> did this girl wrong. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Gene didn't do much wrong other than support Cyclops. Yeah, that's true. Well, I she, mean, like, her Because she even out. deals with it. She, she deals with it later uh, near the end where she's like, it's when her and Maddie are having that force field mm-hmm. fight. And she's talking about how, like, uh, she has had no onus either because between the Dark Phoenix and this clone of hers, her life is being stolen from her as well. And so... She didn't ask for any of this. She didn't ask for the Phoenix to come and like do all this stuff or anything like that. And so Gene is just like also a bystander. But yeah. again, you're it is a sin to support Cyclops. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I mean You know, she married him later on too, so it's like she knew what she was doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you you saw how he was in the first marriage. So she <laughs> you know, like she knew once a cheater, always a cheater. Uh, Cyclops has a few red flags. He's just got a few. Like 20. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do think that humanizes them. But also, like, you know, she find you know, Madeline finds out that she, Mr. Sinister, like, grew her and, like, implanted memory and, like, all that. And, like, yeah, that's tragic. Okay. okay, let's play a game here. Okay, so you, before she goes full Goblin Queen uh-huh. and, uh, but learns about her origins, how do you, Michael Randolph, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you, uh, console or help this this person deal with this trauma. What what what, so what tools much. do you give them? I mean, you got you get you got to have support. You, so that's the thing. You got to have supportive, loving people in your life. You have to have a support system. So you would remind Maddie that she does have people who do love her. She's got uh, you know, Alex. She's got the other X Men, Storm, and everybody who likes her. But she's not alone. Did, yes. Well, I mean, that's gonna be complicated because <laughs> they're gonna have to take sides because basically. Scott is not a part of her support system. No. He is har- causing her harm, and these are all Scott's friends. Where are yeah. her friends from before Scott? Well, I guess she's a clone, so she doesn't have a ton she of She didn't them. have any. <laughs> <laughs> but she needed some people to be on her side and, like, yes. a therapist and all. But, like, you know, finding out your life is a lie and also finding out your husband's love is a lie because his original love comes back and he throws it all yes. away. Very traumatic. Yeah. And, like, she needs love and support. I mean, I thought she was getting some good with, 
you know, his brother. But like that was probably not a healthy move either because she's totally manipulating him with her feminine woes. But like, say, say he did. Okay, so step (laughs) step two, don't date your Your current husband's brother. Yeah. Yeah. Your husband's brother. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. So get a support group, but don't let it be the brother of Uh your husband. That's good advice. That's good advice. And then uh, maybe, you know. Take some time for you. I, and then also focus on well, who's important in your life. That kid is still your kid. That's real. And yeah. that is very important. So that should be your focus. And now you know yeah. you are a mutant and you might develop powers and your kid is definitely yeah. going to be a mutant. Like you need to learn some coping skills to help raise your kid. Like you got to focus in your priorities. Like you got to you got to remove your toxic people in your life. So get right. rid of these demons. Don't don't associate with these demons You're anymore. You're letting Scott Summers turn you into a villain. Does that is that what you want to be? <laughs> Someone manipulated by Scott Summers Scott Summers idiocracy to become a villain? I like this. <laughs> there's 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 an alternate story of Maddie getting therapy. You know, she gets she finds Nathan, mm-hmm. you know, somehow. Um and you know, they defeat Sinister, you know, with Cyclops' powers, yeah. and then she goes and single moms it yeah. out goes in to Australia. Alaska. Yeah, there's plenty of... Goes mutants. back to Alaska. Yeah. yeah. Australia, Alaska. There's plenty of single mutants out there <laughs> who who would be loving and supportive for you. There's 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 so many more mutant fish in the sea. Mm-hmm. There's it's it, you got you can you can find somebody else, you know, like like see what storm's up to storm be a good dad get storm to be your dad yeah yeah that's you could do worse yeah it's oh go to go to canada all of the yeah the canadian x-men do have it all kind of together compared to the regular (laughs) x-men they're they've got some they've got some of their own drama from alpha flight um and weapon x (laughs) is not a good uh not a good uh example of canadian government (laughs) assistance uh which is so funny in like a modern day American looking back. Oh like, yeah. Canada. Would, that like, Canada made Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what made Canada go. Their government be so not, They're like, we did it once. We were an awful government yeah. one time, but like, look what happened. Wolverine is their fault. Sabretooth is their fault. Deadpool is their fault. Uh, yeah. Canada. It's, I, I, I've talked about this before on the podcast that it's funny that Canada is like a villain in the X Men yeah, comics because Wolverine is a hundred percent the most American thing anyone has ever done. Like created yeah. that character. Like, yeah, I could see our government kidnapping a mutant and putting adamantium claws into him and making him a weapon. <laughs> I mean, they did that in the movies. The right. movies was just like, yeah, our our government stole Logan <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and made him <laughs> our our head of defense. Yeah, he he. He uh he's manipulating that kind of thing. Yeah, they they were like that makes more sense. Yeah, but, we don't yeah. want to deal with Canada. I think Madeline she she deserves she deserves happy. She needs, she needs her she needs to eat doesn't eat, pray, she, eat pray love her way yeah. out of this situation. She it, it's it, it's 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 definitely a lot to reset your life later on in years. I can say that from experience uh-huh, uh-huh. of going through divorce and coming out of the closet in my later years and that kind of thing. Yeah. But like therapy, go to therapy, everybody, do it. Even if you don't think you do need to do it, you need to <laughs> go to therapy. Yeah. Um, t- take care of yourself. Work on yourself, and don't base your value in someone else's straight yeah. straight white men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. As one, don't do it. And don't. Yeah, your your worth is not what your partner thinks of you. It is. Yeah. It is your worth, and it's like your value in the world, not what the X Men think of you. Yeah. Maddie should have gone and found a nice butch lesbian or a a, a mm-hmm. femme bisexual man mm-hmm. and 
raised little Nathan up, and that would have been a, a much happier story. And we could have had a whole another X title, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, 100%. It could have been a spinoff. Uh, we didn't cover like anything of the story. We jumped around so much, but that was perfect. I'm so sorry. That, no, that was, I didn't like, even as I was writing down my notes, I'm like, why am I writing these notes? We are not going to cover. It's you so know, much. It's a lot. Um, and it also is jumping back and forth in like, uh, numbers. Like it goes from like, starts in uncanny 239 mm-hmm. and then goes to X factor 33. And we don't get back to uncanny until after X factor 36. And that jumps around. Um, but you did a good job. You, you, you managed to get through Inferno. <laughs> I knew I had to do it with somebody who had some X-Men background <laughs> just so you could be like, even you recognizing long shot yeah. leaps and bounds ahead of most people. I knew we come point. from the Mojo verse. Yep. That's a lot. Um, I like to play a game at the end of this now, since we do talk a lot about the MCU and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I should have warned you beforehand as a good host. I should have. No, no. We're trying to do only. MCU fan casting of characters. And I'm opening it up to anybody who is in these stories. Okay. Um, it's, I find it hard to, to cast with like new young people because I'm a 38 year old man yeah, who doesn't know way. any new yes. young people. Mm-hmm. I'm stuck in the 80s and 90s as far as, like, my references. So I'm fine with that. Like, you can say, like, this person when they were the right age would have been perfect. Because I've said Mm -hmm. that multiple times. I have an idea for Maddie. But I want to hear if you have any any first thoughts of any of these characters. Like a good Scott or a good Mr. Sinister or, or anything like that. I, 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 can, I can start the ball rolling if that makes it easier for you. Mr. Sinister would – a good Mr. Sinister would be the – what is that actor's name? He played the, the villain in Carnival, and then he played the villain the, – the, 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 the prison guard in Shawshank Redemption. Oh, oh, uh, Mr. Krabs. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, what's his name? What? Mr. Krabs. People are yelling at it right now. <laughs> yeah. It is Clancy Brown. Yes, Clancy, Clancy Brown. Brown. Ooh, he would be a real deep and sadistic one. And I think, oh, good voice. Yeah, I think he would have the per- like. That's the voice of Mister Sinister to me. See, and that's perfect for this Sinister. <laughs> I'm stuck in modern Sinister, and so I'm like, I'm like, put Christopher Walken in that man's costume oh, and have be, him do that. That would be good too. <laughs> Can you think of a good Maddie? Is there Ooh. is there a is there a leading f- female from? You know the the old era of movies that you I'm think? Thinking, I'm like, I've got my whole. Thing of, I'm trying to think of a good one. Like who you could, do a movie podcast. Who, you got yeah, plenty who of people. Who could be so unhinged? Who can? Yeah, you do. You do romancing the pot. So yeah. You watch a lot of uh, romantic comedies which have unhinged people. Like who's who plays good unhinged? Uh, like, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Woman. The. Oh God, it's it's so hard. It depends on what the take. Like if we want like a more like a softer take. If you want a redhead. You go with, um, man, I'm so not good with it. I'm the worst no, go for it. names. It's uh, I'm <clears throat> Barat's uh, wife, Isla, Isla Fisher. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're going more classic 90s, like kind of like goofy. Oh, yeah, unhinged, she'd be great. Yes, Isla Fisher would be good. If you're going like more classic 90s, un- like funny or unhinged, like a Kate Hudson. Ooh, mm-hmm. she would be not bad. I, 
I think it's because I am uh, a bisexual little queer boy, but I, I just want, I need in my head, if we had done this, like in the eighties, nineties, Julia Roberts would be in here somewhere. And I would love to see Julia Roberts getting full. Like we've not got to see Julia as a real villain, but I think Julia could do a villain. I think so. I I think, I think Julia Roberts is a good, that's a really good idea. You know, you, you, you saw a, 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 you've seen a little bit of her like strong uh, female leading power, like mm-hmm. with Aaron Brockovich and, and stuff like that. And I'm like, I just in my head, I'm like, why couldn't we have had the era where it was like people like Julia Roberts and Steve Martin and people like that were in X-Men movies? Yes. Oh, the 90s would have been a great. T- yes. Yes, absolutely. She would be great. I think I think she would be a good like a focused evil. Like, like yeah. she's really for revenge. It'd be hard to believe like, that she would want to murder it, her kid, though. There's like six X-Men villains that I would have loved to have been played by Danny DeVito. Like, Puck? just him being... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even him is sinister. He's oh, not the yeah. right size and shape, but the man can play... Like, after seeing Penguin, the man can be a villain perfectly. And I feel like he's a chameleon and oh, can just... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I uh, but but I know that when they finally do the MCU, it's gonna they're gonna have to like they're gonna have to cast young because they need to get these these young kids signed into a a predatory ten year contract <laughs> yes. that locks them in, uh, and so I know it's gonna be a bunch of no names, which is fine. It's good because it works. It works when they do that. You know, it's like who was no names who was Robert us. Downey Jr. Yeah, I think Timothy Chalamet should play or whatever his name is should play Iceman. That's not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> He's a soft little skinny boy right, who, right, yeah. who can do it. Uh, I I don't dislike that. And I there's there some of the, I've said this before. A lot of the original X Men casting was kind of perfect, like mm-hmm. Famke Jensen and oh, James yeah. Marsden and Rebecca Romaine and all of them, uh, perfect. And and so that's what makes it sadder that it wasn't a very good series. <laughs> um, but, but you know what? I, I think you we stand on their shoulder. They stay on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, 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 we yeah. Without them. The the Isla Fisher is actually pretty perfect. She plays sweet and crazy mm-hmm. well. Um, okay, I like that. You nailed like, it. I could see her um, going and then teleporting and then being in that outfit and then being like, I'm yeah. going to murder them. And I'm like, oh, she'd oh. work that outfit. Oh, yeah. oh God, right. she'd work it. Uh, okay, you made it through the end of uh, Class of X. Please tell people right now who have made it through this <laughs> hour and a half plus episode, where can they hear more of Mikey? Yeah, uh, so... Mikey Randolph, all, I'm on the socials in Randolph 24 and all of them. I co-host two podcasts, uh, the horror version where Todd does not like scary movies, but we make him watch them. We're up to it's we've great. done it a lot. We I I love movies and it's it, they're yeah, comedy if, if you wanna... podcasts about movies. We don't do a ton of no yeah yeah it, stuff, it, but like we try and you guys have fun. done so many episodes that if like anybody wants to go find their movie, movie they yes. like, you guys have covered it at this point. Yeah, and we've redone it with yeah, we 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 have revisited movies and then we romance. Did the you pod. do did you do Blade for the first time yeah, or oh, redo him? We did it for the first time. That's great. And it was so funny. Like <laughs> when I rewatch movies for a podcast and you like like what is like what like when you analyze something, what just immediately yeah. falls apart? And then like most of these movies it's like everything. Everything immediately falls apart. Oh, honey, I just watched Fast X for the first time. I understand movies falling apart while you're watching them. So we do, we do, we do the Harvard, and we have a romantic comedy one, like a romantic one called Romance in the Pod, where we do, and there's a lot in common because most main characters in horror movies and and 
most villains in horror movies and main characters in romantic comedies do the same felonies. Yeah. So um, it, it's fun to break it down, like what works, what doesn't work, and like we just have fun with it. We go scene by scene. You guys do, and you guys do a lot of modern movies, but also classics. Yeah, like, yeah, I well, think yeah. We jump around. I saw you guys did like Notting Hills not too far ago. Yeah, last last uh, week we're about to record Three Sixty Five Part Two, which is a Netflix <laughs> international erotic series, which I. <laughs> Okay. It's like okay. <laughs> I it was like I a European take on Fifty Shades that was big on Netflix. You should definitely watch it because it wow. is wow bonkers. Wow. Where a monster I, I, kidnaps a woman for three hundred sixty five days to make her fall in love with him. Oh God. Oh God. That's like. <laughs> yep. That's Netflix. Yeah. That's Netflix. Do you guys ever like delve into like Hallmark romantic oh, yes. comedies? So Christmas time, we always go into the Hallmark, <laughs> and then uh, you know my my brother is gay, so like anytime Hallmark does a gay movie, I'm like, we gotta watch it together. We, and he's like, I hate this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to talk. Look, about Look, representation. It. <laughs> yeah. You want representation, <laughs> yeah, and, and like, all of us on the queer side are like, we don't want that. We don't. You you can have that. The straights can have Hallmark. I'll give you that. Okay. Oh well, then now there's a more conservative Hallmark network because Hallmark's yeah. gotten too liberal. And I was like, with uh, what's her face from Full House? Yeah, I'm like, okay, That's is it insane. Candace Cameron? Yeah, Candace Cameron. Yeah, yeah, the straights can have that one too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, we I do, highly recommend we do people some watch- of those. But we do we do all kinds of movies. But we, I That's love, great. I just love talking about movies and having excuses. It's, it's super fun. And yeah, and you guys go deep into them. You oh, guys too deep. You guys Our do episodes big are episodes. Too long. We, you know, we go too deep. <laughs> Clearly, you guys love it, though, because you guys yeah. have been doing it for so long, mm-hmm. and you guys have covered so many movies, and you guys are doing such a good job of it, and you guys have garnered you know, a whole Patreon you know, yeah. community and everything like that, and um, I, I am a socially anxious introvert who doesn't like to talk to new people, and uh, thankfully, my buddy Blaine vouched for you guys, and, and I was like, okay, I'll do the show, and I had a, such a fun time. Oh, it was so, so good. You and you... you- like really just jumped in like like a part of the show like yeah it's uh i, I feel like we're friends now like and todd <laughs> he sent me a text and he's like tell john that i can't record the next couple of weeks but i really want to do this show with him good. and like just good. send the message i do want to get taught yeah, on yeah here. yeah so you know we love you you're welcome to come back and uh, i'd love to do another yeah, episode i i, I I made this I podcast because people won't. I, I I made this podcast because people won't talk to me about X Men, so I force people to talk to me about X Men. And same goes for movies. I can't talk about new movies enough. Although more people will talk to that with well, me about that. But, I love yeah. doing this. So if you ever need me, to, I, I I don't get a chance to talk about this a okay. lot too. I'll I'll earmark the next one that I'm like I can't get anybody to read this, so I'm gonna get Mikey to read this. So we'll talk through this like twelve part series. Oh, as and well, I, okay? I played all the X Men video games, so it like helped Perfect. with more backstory. Perfect. Like, okay. Yes. But yeah. Well, now you got so tons fun. of information. Yes. Some might say too much. No. Anyways, we'll wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening. Thank for those you so in the audience, and uh, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.